Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In the churches of Galatia, there were issues, serious matters of teaching and practice that needed attention by the Apostle Paul. And Paul gave that good attention Paul gave God's response to the issues and difficulties in the churches of Galatia. It was so bad, Paul said to those Christians in Galatia, you have deserted the gospel. In the strongest terms, Paul said in chapter 1, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to, to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, given the gravity of that situation, you might expect that Paul would write the entire epistle about that matter at hand. This apostasy, this departure from the gospel. He certainly deals with that in the first four and a half chapters of Galatians. And he does that in a masterful way, guided by the Holy Spirit. But would you consider, it is not enough that our concepts are corrected. There has to be ongoing attention to our conduct and to the attitudes that are observed by God and men behind that conduct. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. I know of a man who has included this in his prayers. I pray this day that I will be so filled by the word given by the Spirit, it will cause fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May that be our prayer. Is it possible... To know the truth on basics. To be able to effectively express the truth in some venue of dialogue or controversy. To be equipped to respond to error and teach people the right way, but be lacking in these important areas of heart. Maybe we are not chasing the appetites of the flesh. We are zealous. We are participants in good works. We do serve people. But we may examine ourselves from time to time and discover that we are lacking in 
some measure in developing these critical attitudes of heart and life and wholesome relationship with God and with others. The Apostle Paul not only wanted to correct errors being spread in Galatia, he wanted there to be this beautiful garden of fruit in their lives. He has said earlier, back in chapter 4, verse 19, I want Christ to be formed in you. This is the specifics of that. One more time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's begin our study. And please be finding, first of all, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. It is no surprise that the lead into this is love. We studied about that in the class this morning. And Robert did a very good job of reading a passage that is a key passage on this subject. Jesus gives us a good place to start in Matthew 22, quoting from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 and Leviticus 19 verse 18. I'm reading from Matthew 22, 37 to 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I like to think of this in terms of the vertical and the horizontal. The vertical is my love for God, which of course is prompted by His love for me. The horizontal is my love for people. That simple connection is right here in this passage and it's everywhere else in Scripture. My efforts to love people will never be complete if not founded on my sincere love for God and the obedience of that love, God who first loved me. More than once, Jesus told His disciples, love each other. And that meant serving one another with such humility Jesus at one point dramatically illustrated that love and service when he washed their feet, even the feet of Judas. And then in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Evidence of our sincerity about God and Jesus and the writings given by the Spirit in eternity Evidence of all of that sincerity is exhibited not only when we love God and keep His commandments, but when that love prompts us to treat others as directed by God. So my concepts may be correct, my ability to defend the faith may be impressive, but without love, 
I'm just not what I must be. <coughs> Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, Without love, you're just noise. Like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Joy. I like to eat. How about you? But Paul said in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We may like sports events and find that in sports events, enthusiasm and competition is created, but the games come to an end. There is the joy of family, grandkids jumping up and down with excitement and holidays and good humor and parties and various forms of temporal satisfaction and pleasure that we have here on earth. But the joy of faith runs deeper and lasts longer and creates motivation that isn't framed in nine innings or a living room or four quarters because this joy is about going to heaven. This joy is about going to heaven. Peter said, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And earlier he wrote about the living hope Christians have and he said, in this you rejoice. He said, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Your trials will be over. There is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Do you want to go to heaven? If you sold your house and car and turned all your assets over to the church, would that get you to heaven? If you gave up all of your other activities and just served people 10 hours a day, would that get you to heaven? If you baptized one sinner every day the rest of your life, would that get you to heaven? No. What takes you to, to heaven and to the joy of heaven is repentance of your sin, faith in Christ who died for you, faith confessed, being washed by His blood in baptism, then walking in newness of life by the grace of God. And in that new life, the joy is yours of an even newer, better place. Peace. Did you know there's something more personal than world peace? Peace among warring nations, resolution of domestic conflict. Peace on the most personal level is peace with your Creator. Peace that was broken when you first sinned. Peace that you cannot purchase with money. Christ is the Prince of Peace and God has that for us in Christ. Once we embrace it and enjoy it, there should be a natural interest in telling others about how peace with God can be found in Christ. Patience. Nobody likes to wait. 
of all the hardships here on earth, it seems like one of the most punishing experiences is you have to wait. Not just in line somewhere or in a waiting room, but waiting for things to happen that you strongly desire in your life, that you believe should happen, that you imagine that are almost here, but they seem to never arrive. Our culture signals that everything should be immediate. What do we want? And then we fill in that blank. And when do we want it? We want it right now. No lines, no waiting for your number to be called. I need attention given to me right now. That's trending today. Do you know the Holy Spirit teaches us to be patient? And one word for that is long-tempered. Now, many of us have discovered in our lives that we're pretty good at the easy part of that. That's being short-tempered. We can be short-tempered. It is a fundamental challenge of virtue from God to be long-tempered, long-suffering, to bear with people, to put up with delays, to wait for God, to imitate the patience of Jesus and all that. That's our calling. Kindness. There is such an urgent need for civility. In what Robert read a moment ago, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says that love is patient and kind. A smile with a pleasant greeting is kind. But I tell you, biblical kindness is much more than a smile. It is more a function of duty ingrained in us by our relationship with God in the example of Christ. Smiling, pleasant greetings and duty, that's all good. Kindness is a willingness to be helpful consistently beyond any consideration of reward or payback. Be kind to the boss because he writes your checks. No, that's not it in the biblical sense. There's no expectation of reward or payback. Kindness in the biblical sense, is active for its own sake. It is its own reward. God's kindness has such power it can lead us to repentance. Romans 2 verse 4. That's more than a smile. Titus 3, 4 and 5. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Kindness is powerful. It is a quality that reaches out to others expressive of care and mercy and everything else in the list. Goodness. We don't talk about goodness very much these days unless we put oh my in front of it. We do sometimes associate the word good with a title or a function. 
a good parent, a good teacher, a good police officer, a good doctor. And we mean that that meets the demands of their occupation, those people. They do it with good spirit. and They cultivate in us admiration that encourages us to be good. When referring to someone's gift, we might say out of the goodness of his heart or her heart. We're talking about generosity as supremely exhibited by God. Faithfulness. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Dark times for Jeremiah. Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem and look around and consider and search through her squares. See if you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth. And I will forgive the city. That's how bad it was. There were dark times when it was almost impossible to find one faithful person. Faithfulness is integrity that is consistent and dependable, reflected by what the Lord said in a commendation in Matthew 25, 21 and 23 in one of the parables when he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. God's faithfulness is our model. You know, we can count on Him. His promises are good. His dependability is described in the Bible as a rock. Rock solid. David wrote about this frequently. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of His covenant. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Psalm 36 and verse 5. For us, this is more than just what people think of us or how they speak of us or what our reputation is or what our resume says or what our references say about us. This is being dependable if nobody sees it. This is being dependable toward God, faithful to Christ. Remember, rock solid in your commitment to the words given by the Holy Spirit. Guard against being loyal to a local group, but not being loyal to God. Love the Lord your God, remember, with all your heart and soul and mind. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Gentleness is very close to some of the other qualities here. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. I mentioned in the Bible class this morning, when the Bible brings up all these virtues and attitudes that ought to be a part of us, they're all very close. They're associated. They're a part of a whole. For example, in a circumstance of conflict and disagreement or even rage, a soft answer can turn away wrath, the Bible says. And if you want a good idea of the gentleness that Paul is referring to in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, follow that Bible study method that I often recommend. Just keep reading. So you got gentleness in Galatians 5, 23. And you might say to yourself, I want an example of that. 
Keep reading out of chapter 5 into chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. It is sometimes easy because of our temperament to be harsh and aggressive and to try to match it up with somebody and overcome them, to bark out orders and to blast someone with a sharp rebuke. That's the world. David compares God to the gentle shepherd who cares and is careful for the needs of his sheep, leading them to calm waters for drinking, fresh pasture for feeding, and protecting them through the place of danger. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. What can we learn from God about the kind of attitude and character we need to have? And what does all this take? <coughs> all this we've, we've looked at in some detail. What does it all take? Self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What does all this take? It takes self-control. Well, what happens if I don't have self-control? Not only am I greatly hindered in even understanding and putting these qualities into effect, but if I don't have self-control, well, go back and look at verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's what we subject ourselves to and open the door for if there's no self-control. When you're in control of yourself, that doesn't mean independence. In the biblical sense, when you are in control of yourself, it means you've put yourself under the teachings of the Holy Spirit and good control, therefore, can be your manner of life. Self-control begins when you put Christ in the pilot's seat. Self-control is what Joseph had when he said to Potiphar's wife, I cannot sin. Self-control is what Judas didn't have. Self-control is what you can have when you put Christ in the pilot's seat and let Him lead you and help you and intercede for you and keep you sound and give you hope and joy and peace and enable you to develop all the fruit that's in the garden. And let me add, you can't control everybody. You can't control anybody. but one person, and that's you. Well, is there anything in this passage that you can honestly say that you don't need? 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anything here that you don't need, I'll circle back to where I started. <clears throat> I know of a man who wrote this out and includes this in his prayers. I pray this day that I will be so filled by the word given by the Spirit, it will cause fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May that be our prayer, and may it be our way of life. If you are ready now to enter into that way of life and bear this fruit, we invite your good response while we stand together to sing.